Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. My name is Stephen Clark and I'm joined as always by my co-host Nick Ponte. How are you, Nick? Yes, I'm pretty smug today, Stephen, because like uh, unlike everybody else in the country, we haven't had to queue for our petrol because we've got electric cars. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Have you been seeing that? It's mental. Ah, uh, it's nuts. It's nuts, mate. Yeah. Panic, um, panic. Just like, just like the root, uh, just like the toilet roll again. Craziness. Uh, <laughs> I can't get my head in that. But yeah. So that so th- this week we have got Kessa Salimi on the podcast. Now Kessa Salimi is no stranger to the Scottish Property Podcast. We've had him on um, a couple of times throughout lockdowns. He's been on Zoom calls. He's been. He's he's always adding his value from his uh, his mortgage brokers point of view. But what a lot of people don't understand is as as uh, is a, a property investor selling, he's actually got property investment experience to pre-2008 crash. And I think you know a lot of the stuff that he, that he talks about, he's got a lot of experience and he shares a lot of knowledge as well, doesn't he? Yeah, no. I, I put him on the spot as well about you know interest rates because everyone's talking about potential interest rates rises because of inflation at the moment. So um yeah but halfway through I just landed that sucker blow and he was like um well, i don't know i can't talk about that we're uh well he did talk about it but he, obviously yeah. they are regulated and they've got to watch what they say as mortgage brokers but it's interesting yeah. to get his view on that as well yeah absolutely and um kess is going to join us as one of the hosts of the scottish property podcast networking events he's going to he invests heavily in dundee so he's going to host the dundee event so we thought it'd be good to get him on and listen to his point of view from his investment journey rather than just these kind of mortgage broker experience so Without further ado, we'll cut to the interview with Keza Salimi. Keza Salimi, welcome to the Scottish Property Podcast again. Now, a lot of the, the listeners will be familiarised with you, familiarised with yourself, but can you give a little introduction just for those that haven't? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me back on again. Um, so, yeah, Keza Salimi, I'm a mortgage broker, property investor. Uh, been investing since pre-2008 and then um, really kind of started to ramp things up sort of 2010 onwards. Um, super passionate about property investment and sort of financial freedom was my main goal for getting into property investment. Um, so yeah, delighted to be on today. And good, I mean, and that's what the reason why I want to get you back on is because, you know, we've had you on, on, on Zoom calls throughout lockdown as well, talking about, you know, your experiences as a mortgage broker and lending conditions and what's changing and stuff in the market and that. But, you know, it's, it's important to like for people to realise that you're not you're a property investor first and foremost, and I think that's not covered a lot on your social media journeys because a lot of the stuff you're doing for marketing is for your your mortgage brokerage business, isn't it? True. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely right. So yeah, I mean, let's let's start let's start back because I, one of the main reasons as well I wanted to get you on was there's not a lot of people that we chat to and discuss that have kind of got the experience that have have seen pre-2008 before the crash. And I think that's really important because obviously if you've been investing in property for 10 years, you're considered an experienced investor, but you still haven't seen a crash. So um, can you take us back to the start then? How did you get started in property and and what was it like before um, 2008 for you? Yeah, okay, fine. Um, so yeah, I started investing in property, uh, you know, when I was 19, actually, so 2004. Um, but, you know, sort of wasn't really kind of looking to invest myself. Uh, my family background, you know, from a Pakistani sort of background, and a, a lot of sort of, um, sort of Asian people like investing in property. Um, so yeah, so my dad was kind of investing in property. And he said, look, you should get one as well. This was kind of 2004, things were starting to kind of ramp up on the way to kind of 2008, everybody's kind of looking to invest in property. So saw a nice kind of two bedroom flat, for me to kind of buy, I bought that. 
and just rented it out really, you know, it, it did really fine, but I actually kind of sold that in 2006 and it kind of went up in value by about, um, I mean, I only bought it for, I think, sort of 40 grand and it went up to about 60. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a nice bit of profit on that one. Um, but as, as a kind of a family, you know, we was investing in property quite heavily where, um, you know, they were kind of allowing you to kind of refinance on day one, get all your money back out and then go again, go again. So really that's kind of what my dad was doing. And we was kind of just, we had kind of a restaurant business at the time and we was kind of working there and investing all the money into property. Um, but then sort of the financial crash came. Um, he used to bank with Clydesdale Bank and they, they basically said to him that, look, you know, we're not comfortable with uh, the mortgages anymore. You need to go elsewhere. But the problem was nobody else was giving finance. And unfortunately, my dad kind of just you know, didn't know what to do, just kind of um, put his head in the sand a wee bit. And then um, the whole lot just got repossessed off us, you know, so we kind of lost everything. You know, we lost all the properties we had, commercial property, everything. So, um, yeah, a lot of lessons learned, you know, kind of grieved for a long time because I felt like most of the early 2000s, I kind of uh, felt sort of, you know, while I was kind of slogging away, trying to invest in property and then we kind of lost it. But a lot of lessons learned as well, you know, and kind of a key thing for me, for even the property investors I'm helping now to hopefully not make those mistakes like I made. No, that's, there's so much to cover on that, on that kind of quick little bit. Because um, you, you're, you're very much similar to myself and Nick, you know, similar age bracket, started investing at a very young age and, you know, 2004, 2006 as well. Um, so a lot of comparables that I can uh, see from our own journeys um, what, let me take it back as well. What made you kind of sell the first flat then, the, the two-bed one you bought in 2004 and 2006? What made you, because like you said, like, you know, it was going to be proper investment you were doing. What made you decide to just flip on for a bit of profit? Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't really that educated in property at the time. So I didn't really know what I was doing. And I saw the market sort of increasing. And um, my dad was kind of getting into more developments and stuff like that. So we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of cash in on this one when properties were kind of increasing. But in hindsight, I should have just kept that one, you know, because that was one of the ones that I actually rebought that recently, uh, surprisingly, not from the same person that I sold it to. And it was just by accident. But yeah, I should have kind of held on to that one. And actually, kind of the developers and stuff, they were kind of what basically. Um, you know, made as a loss, really. But yeah, just not being educated, really. How much did you buy that one back for? Um, Forty thousand again. Interestingly, <laughs> I love I love stuff like that. I love, I love looking random where it was, a, it was a property source that brought it to me, and I didn't even realize it was the same property. We went and walked in, and it's only when I walked in I realized it was the exact same property. So I think it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen when I rebought the property. So it's interesting to see that you know prices didn't actually even recover that much in that area. Um, over the last 10 years and just starting to recover now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Dundee that you invest in predominantly, isn't it? Yeah, so I live in Dundee. Um, yeah, invest in Dundee as well. So we did have kind of quite a peak in prices kind of from 2006 to 2008. But since then, they've kind of stayed fairly steady and only started to kind of increase quite a lot over the last year or two. Uh, but up till then, you know, price increases have been fairly steady, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, so can you can you just can you just explain uh, to listeners who weren't obviously investing that time, you know what was the actual problem why so many properties were getting repossessed around around then you know what actually happened. Yeah, I think a mixture of things, and everybody's always got their own story. 
um, for us, it was, you know, the commercial lender that we was with, Clydesdale Bank and, you know, RBS and stuff did this as well. We're basically, they were just not comfortable with the, the loans anymore and they were calling them in, asking you to kind of refinance and go elsewhere. And a lot of business people, not just kind of property investors, you know, even just like, you know, people had businesses and stuff, just couldn't do that. And then that's where, you know, they were getting repossessed. And RBS, obviously, there was a kind of big controversy with them. And I've known some property investors that have actually done well out of it where, you know, people were writing off debts and they were, they were able to kind of refinance and go elsewhere where and get you know hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds kind of written off debt wise but unfortunately i didn't think we kind of had the know-how on how to do that and um so yeah we just kind of lost a lot at that time um yeah. but th there's a lot of protection now in the mortgage market to kind of stop that from happening again it's not to say that this can never happen again you know because it's always you've always got to be careful but back then it was you know the wild west you know you can kind of you yeah. know, re refinance day one pull all your money back out and just go again go again sounds crazy now but that's what was available at the time yeah, that's interesting, mate. And at, at the end of the day, it was a, a financial crash. It was a, a banking crisis and it all kind of stemmed from lending and these bad loans and these toxic loans that were all packaged up and all to do with mortgages yeah. and that. So like you say, it is, it is very different, I think. And to see something like that happen again, it would be kind of hard to see. Um, what, yeah. what have you guys done since um, to recover? Because you, you kind of ramped up you know, a couple of years after this, how did you kind of regroup, regroup, get educated and kind of go for a, you know, a plan attack moving forward, kind of yourself and as a family? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, yeah, I was actually kind of slightly put off by property after that. And, you know, I felt, you know, I was kind of moping around for a couple of years, thinking I kind of lost everything and, you know, didn't know where to go from there. And then just started basically saving back up and, uh, and property prices were quite cheap, kind of 2009, 2010. And looking back now, I didn't really kind of know what was going on. But, you know, that was kind of like, you know, the bottom of the market. And um, the mortgage broker I was using at the time, you know, he said, you know, um, he kind of showed me the options of what was available, you know. Um, and there was quite kind of cheap flats available, sort of 40,000, 50,000 marks. So it was only kind of had to put about sort of 10,000 of my own money to kind of invest. And it was actually my wife that said, you know, let's start investing for ourselves. Um, you know, we had that sort of 10,000 saved up and then, you know, bought the first one and it kind of snowballed from there. But at that time, it's a different market to what it's like now where we was literally the only kind of viewer at the property and we can kind of bid a decent sort of price, you know, completely different to what it's like now, you know. So, um, yeah, looking back now, if I had the money, it would have been great to buy a whole lot of properties. But it was it was nice to kind of start with the one and then it just snowballed from there, just buying one a year, one a year. And then from the rents that we had, that kind of snowballed to us allowing to buy two, three and then kind of ramping up from there. And so do you just collect the rent then and add it to the next kind of deposit to, to invest in the next property? Yeah, and to be honest, at that time, you know, I wasn't really that clued up on sort of the buy-refurbished refinance and stuff like that. Um, and also I had the full-time job too. So I was just looking for properties that I could rent out from day one or needed very minimal work. You know, I could put my 25% deposit in and then it would kind of give me the cash flow. So like the numbers I was working on back then were sort of the 40, 50,000 sort of flats and they were renting, renting out for sort of 350, 400 pound a month. You know, my mortgage payments were less than a hundred pounds. So it was a decent, decent amount of cash flow to kind of get me started. So um, yeah, I was kind of looking for kind of the buy and rent out straight away, really. Before you kind of started to move on and start to ramp back up your own property investment, what what kind of lessons did you take away from from that period then? Like, um, I think the mortgage market has kind of dictated that for me slightly anyway, with the fact of putting in higher deposits, the rental stress test, stuff like that. I probably didn't realize at the time that's you know that was to our benefit, but um, yeah, I think kind of. 
the whole sort of regulation in the market has kind of helped us as property investors. But um, yeah, I suppose for me personally, you know, uh, lender diversification, you know, using lots of different lenders, you know, not going with one of these sort of main high street banks can, because I, I do have a few loans with high street banks just now, but they are on reviewable terms as well. So after five years, they can basically call that loan in if they don't, you know, don't want to kind of proceed. Uh, whilst with the buy to let ones, you know, you've, I've got terms for kind of 25 to 35 years. Um, as long as they kind of stay within sort of the right loan to value, it's very unlikely that they'll call those loans in. So yeah, I think for me, biggest one was lender diversification. Don't kind of have all my mortgages with one lender. That's good. And, and you kind of touched on that as well. Like obviously it's been regulated a lot with the, the bigger deposits. You can't refinance on day one. Um, do you think that's it's obviously made the entry level for people entering property investment quite a lot, a lot higher, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. Yeah, but also I, th I think it's kind of good for us as property investors because it's protecting us going forward. Uh, the rental stress test as well, which can kind of really. Um, hit some kind of property investors, especially when they're buying higher value properties. But ultimately, I do think it's a good thing. Um, and it's, it, it does protect you in the future if interest rates do rise as well, because we're so used to low interest rates now as well. That's the, the big thing. Yeah, that's another point, actually. Yeah, we've been historically low interest rates for the last, what, 13, 14 years? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, as a mortgage broker, you know, sometimes I'm quoting uh, mortgage rates and clients are complaining about a 0.1 or 0.2% higher rate than they got last time, you know, but they've just not experienced higher interest rates. So it's a completely different world now to what it was, you know, pre-2008. You, you do get used to kind of getting sucked into like what was happening in the market and the economy. And it's quite, how, I mean, how have you kind of, going forward, like taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture of things, obviously what happened back then, everyone's just so involved in, in what's going on and, and just, you know, being pushed and pulled in the, the market direction. How have you kind of taken a step back and actually try to look at it from a, a wider point of view now? Yes, yeah, good question. Uh, I suppose just, yeah, experience one and, um, you know, we're in the information age now as well, which we didn't have sort of pre-2008, um, social media, forums, all these different things, you know, so just looking at everybody else and kind of getting a point of view on what everybody's doing, you know, and yeah, just listen to kind of all the experienced investors and also the new people out there as well. There's, there's so much education out there online as well and just kind of taking all that information and then just kind of coming up with my own sort of synopsis from it all, really. Um, yeah, well, that, this would be a good time to put you on the spot then, Kessler. Come on, let's see. Right, well, let's go so, for it. Um, obviously, you put information out there. You're good in the social media. You keep people informed, educated, and all that, which is great. I love your content. Um, when do you think interest rates are going to rise and how much by? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, just a dis disclaimer, because I am kind of regulated, so this is only kind of my own... Yeah. Uh, my own sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think potentially that they might rise slightly in the next couple of years, but only very slightly. Um, I personally don't think I'm going to see sort of interest rates rise by a lot in the next five years. Um, one of the reasons why I'm saying that is like when we're quoting on mortgages um, for our clients, the five-year products are so similar to two-year products. So all the lenders and stuff uh, who have a lot more knowledge than I have, or I hope they do, um, you know, they're kind of hedging their bets on interest rates kind of staying fairly low as well. Because if they thought interest rates were going to get higher in the next five years, they'd probably price them at a higher rate than they are just now. Um, like how, you know, energy companies and stuff are doing just now. So so um, the rates between two and five-year products are very similar. So personally, I think they're going to stay fairly low for the next five years. But again, that's just my own thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, the thing is that they always keep talking about at the moment is inflation, isn't it? Like, And it depends yep. on how quickly that... They're talking about 4%, but some people are predicting more now just with what's happening in the last couple of days. Things just seem to be going a bit crazy in all sectors. Um, but like, yeah, I'm like you. I just can't imagine how they could 
ramp them up by quite a lot. I mean, I think I can see it going from like, what is it, 0.1, they'll probably put it up to like 0.25 or something yeah. like that, which is like, is that really going to make a difference to us like investors? Like, I can't really see it making a huge difference. Yeah, well, the other thing as well is the margin that the lenders are making on top of that. So obviously they're 0.1 just now as a base rate, but then, um, you know, interest rates for that the lenders are charging are fairly low as well. So, I mean, they could rise slightly, but interest rates, to, you know, to us as consumers might not rise that much. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting because it could stunt growth as well, which is not what they want. You know, they're wanting us to kind of expand just now, you know, in all different, you know, uh, industries, not just property investments. So I think if they write, you know, increase interest rates too much, that could stunt growth, which is not what they want. Like you say, people have just... About... Sorry, Sorry Miguel. I said, like you say, people have just become so used to, like, you know, low interest rates, like, you know, ultra low interest rates. I think by increasing them past even 2%, I don't just don't think economy would handle it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be a gradual hold up to that, yeah. Um, that's an interesting way to kind of get onto what what made you kind of start start to want to become a mortgage broker. Was it your kind of past experience and you know and and the misfortunes on the the financial crash? Yeah, a mixture of things really. I've always been interested, uh, especially since kind of two thousand eight. I was interested in how I could avoid making those mistakes again. So started to kind of educate myself on finance in general, and always kind of had an interest in finance. Um, but then when I was investing in properties in sort of 2010, I was using mortgage brokers and a lot of them were older as well. And a few that I'd used, um, one in particular was actually kind of um, kept saying to me, you know, um, have you ever thought about becoming a mortgage broker? Because a lot of us are getting older, retiring, and there's not many sort of new people coming into the market. But that time I was working in family business and, you know, I just couldn't kind of see your way out of that. But once I kind of built up a few properties, that kind of gave me that buffer to kind of make a change. I was working in hospitality, you know, we had um, a restaurant where I was always working evenings weekends and I had a young family and thought you know I'm not getting to see them you know when they're you know um, leaving sorry at the end of the day or on the weekends and stuff like that that's kind of the time that I was at work Um, so yeah just decided to kind of go into property full-time wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do first it was kind of a toss-up between letting agency or a mortgage broker and yeah decided to kind of become a mortgage broker and just kind of train from there. Nice and how, how did your family react to you moving away from the family business? Um, yes, yeah, so we actually sold the business. So everybody kind of went, they're all separate, uh, all the separate ways, which was good. You know, a lot of them are still in hospitality. A lot of them kind of uh, got their own businesses now, kind of similar industry. But yeah, you know, I think they were kind of happy for me. You know, um, we had a tough couple of years when I first became a mortgage broker because it was quite difficult to get into um, to kind of start making an income from, um, you know, and I had a few doubts, kind of felt like packing in a few times. But now, you know, um, kind of don't, don't really kind of look back really, you know. So yeah, I'm really kind of glad that I made that jump. So what's the what's the what's the kind of hardest part of being what's the kind of hardest part of being a, a mortgage broker then what's the fr- most frustrating I think starting off uh, for me, you know, because um, I was self-employed was getting clients, which was kind of with any sort of business, really. I just thought I'd become a mortgage broker, tell all my friends, family, and they'd all just come running to me. But that wasn't the case. First of all, they didn't see me as a mortgage broker and I wasn't really sort of credible because I didn't have that experience. Um, so, yeah, you know, kind of getting clients in, you know, that was kind of the diff- most difficult thing at first. But day to day, you know, as a mortgage broker itself, I suppose just kind of keeping on top of um, what's happening in the market, really. Um, is probably kind of the biggest challenge because things kind of changed, you know, especially when we went through COVID, things were changing on an hourly basis, you know, never mind the kind of daily or weekly basis and just kind of keeping on top of that. 
Um, that's kind of one of the most interesting things about the job. See, like I've, I've often just felt, just going through the process quite a lot of times, that it just like the systems of the lenders could be so much better and so much more streamlined. Everyone seems to be quite slow. Are you still finding that, or has like COVID managed to kind of help them get their act together a little bit more? Yeah, not really. No, it's still a very regulated industry. So um, 90% of our job is administration. So as much as it's a pain for you as a client, you know, giving all those bank statements and other stuff like that, there's a million and one things that we need to do in the background as well. So, you know, we need to actually show that the mortgage is affordable for you and all these kind of other things that you don't kind of see going on. Um, but in regards to lenders, especially us as property investors, nowadays, you know, we're tending to use sort of specialist lenders, especially when we're doing limited company mortgages, and they tend to be manually underwritten. So there's a lot more that goes into the those as well and there's a lot more kind of processes they are trying to make things easier but to be honest you know there's still stuff like you know where you need to kind of scan documents in and you know post things out and you know there is kind of a lot of old-fashioned practices that haven't yet been kind of uh, updated you think eventually everybody will just accept electronic signatures i mean i I see stephen like he does like numerous trips up and down the country just to sign documents do you know what i mean (laughs) painful isn't it yeah it's crazy yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm a kind of firm believer as well, and, and you must get a lot of business on this, but, you know, you're, if you want to lose weight, you're not going to go to a fat PT, are you? And I'm, and I'm kind of, I always like the fact that you're a property investor and a mortgage broker, and, and, and I always find that, that people in my, my own network, you know, my letting agents are property investors, the state agents, you know, that I use buy and sell properties, I, I like that. Do you, do you find that's helped your business kind of grow very quickly in the last few years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of my biggest sort of niches. You know, obviously, I specialize in property investment. About ninety-five percent of the mortgages that we do are for property investors. But yeah, I think that's one of the kind of the main reasons why people use me because I invest in property myself. And the way I viewed it from my own point of view was that I wouldn't be kind of confident doing a job which I didn't believe in myself. You know, I genuinely believe in property investment. You know, I'm really passionate about it. So, and I think yeah, a lot of people like that as well. So I've got the property hat as well as the mortgage hat. I know absolutely. I remember one of my first mortgage brokers, probably back about 2009, 2010, and and I, it was when you you, know, you saw the opportunities of buying things cheap, and I was kind of trying to push myself and stretch it. Um, and I remember him kind of saying to me like, "Oh no, son, you're pushing this too hard. You're 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 getting too much. This is your third one this year, or something like that." And I remember th- kind of thinking like, "Oh, was this guy's in his fifties, and there's me like I don't know, early twenties, taking advice from them." Then 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 after a few months, when I listened to his advice, I realised that they didn't even fucking invest in property, and I'm sitting there listening to him. And I'm like, why are you listening? And, and the amount of financial advisors you go to that you know haven't even got a pot to piss in, or you know, mortgage brokers don't even buy you know buy like buy like properties. I just I just find it really strange that someone can kind of stand on their high horse, or you know, like you say, try and be credible in an, in an industry and not do it themselves, not put their money where their mouth is, mouth is, and actually do it themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I suppose I kind of felt like I'd yeah I wouldn't feel comfortable either. You know. Uh, being so passionate or, or kind of specializing in buy to let if i didn't actually invest myself too yeah i think it i think it really does help it's it's like myself for the lettings and stuff like that you know you kind of because you've got properties yourself you kind of feel like you can talk from experience as well yeah definitely. I, I think people yeah. can relate to that more as well because you've been through the whole process yourself yeah, absolutely. Um, like, take us back to your property investment then. So, what what is it you're kind of currently doing, and, and what you what's your kind of your main goals in property, and what you want to achieve? Yeah, so um, kind of snowballed from sort of 2010 when I started investing, and now kind of 
um, mainly investing, you know, with um, limited company, um, me and my wife kind of um, mainly doing buy, refurbish, refinance. Um, so as my, my main job keeps me so busy with the mortgages, um, you know, I can only do property investment on the side, really, you know, not actively looking for properties. A lot of the properties luckily kind of come to me now, you know, I do use sources and stuff as well, or, you know, sometimes, you know, direct to vendor or even on the open market. But yeah, I kind of be trying to be more clever with uh, property investment now, um, buy, refurbish, refinance, more on houses rather than flats, because um, I've got quite a lot of flats, not to say that flats aren't great investments, you know, but the majority of my portfolio is flats to try to diversify i'm now buying more houses um got one holiday let but not really kind of um, an avenue i'm going to kind of continue to kind of pursue really um but yeah mainly kind of houses um is my main goal and just sort of financial freedom really is kind of the main goal for me and still um niche to dundee as well yeah, I think I've kind of still got a big enough market there um, of different types of properties I've not yet invested in that I don't feel like kind of too saturated in the local area. I suppose if I had kind of loads of properties in the local area, then maybe I might kind of move elsewhere. But I think I'm quite lucky. There's so many kind of different areas um, that I can invest in. And, you know, financially, it's quite a kind of sound area as well, or I feel it is um, that, yeah, you know, I'm going to kind of continue to invest here just now. Yeah, Dundee, so, Dundee well, seems to be up there with... Uh some of the hot spots at the moment for buy to let property investing. So if I was a new investor wanting to come to Dundee, where what where would you say to kind of look, you know, what gives a good return on properties? Would you tell them to just keep going up the road to Aber- Aberdeen? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think Dundee still gets kind of overlooked quite a lot because um, it's, you know, yeah, it's kind of becoming one of the hotspots, but it's not quite there, you know, compared to other areas. Um, I think most areas of Dundee are good investment areas, you know, and there's a market for rentals in pretty much all areas. Um, so from right from the low end up to the higher end. So the, I wouldn't say there's really any kind of bad area to invest in Dundee. Some of the blocks can be a little bit rough and we don't really tend to have kind of um, communally, uh, sorry, there's not all blocks are factored and stuff like that. So, um, but in general, you know, pretty much all areas of Dundee are good investment areas, I find. So there's nothing you would say is keep, stay away from? Like no, no, not really. You know, I mean, even some of the rough areas that I wouldn't have kind of gone into growing up, I've now got properties in and yeah. actually do quite well. So, um, yeah, sometimes we kind of think, oh, yeah, there's certain areas that I just wouldn't kind of invest, but actually they can be decent rental areas. Has what happened to you and your family back in 2008? Has it made you quite a cautious investor or has it made you... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think for many years, um, I was just kind of buying and then, you know, wouldn't, would never look to refinance or anything. Uh, tried to kind of keep my portfolio around sort of 60% loan to value as well. So I'm a fairly cautious investor. Um, you know, sometimes I kind of see everybody else and they're kind of going gung-ho and I feel like I should do that as well. But in general, yeah, I'm fairly sort of cautious, you know, not overly cautious as well. I think I'm kind of in the middle, but yeah, definitely kind of, um, you know, having kind of burnt my fingers in the past has made me more cautious. Yeah, absolutely. And what kind of due diligence process do you do? Like what stuff's got to take your criteria before you you invest in something? Yeah, to, to be honest, I keep it very simple, really. You know, um, I, I basically just walk in a property and if, and if I like it and the numbers work, I just, I, I'll just i just put an offer in. Um, you know, maybe that's right, maybe that's wrong. I'm not sure, but I don't spend on... weeks doing my due diligence or anything like that. And is, is, that, is that criteria kind of based on cash flow or is it based on what money you leave in the deal? 
a mixture really you know to answer, i don't even look at always at how much money i'm going to leave in the deal sometimes if i feel it's a good property i'll just go for it um you know if it works for me numbers wise i'm not always looking to get all my money back out if i get money back out then fantastic if i don't you know it will come back out in the future or there will be kind of equity built in there in the future as well so i'm not always looking to kind of take my money back out yeah that's interesting and kind of how what as you got a set size or a set cash flow turnover or a second where you want to take the property investment tour is there something you think you're always going to do and just keep plodding away just adding to it constantly yeah it's kind of winging it on that as well you know i really just kind of um as properties come to me if i like them you know then i'll just go for it so um yeah i don't have kind of any certain goals you know yeah i've got kind of certain monetary goals that i'd like to kind of achieve and stuff like that but not really kind of built into a process on you know how many properties i then need to buy to get to that i'm just kind of going with it really you know because sometimes you can get stressful because you think oh yeah well i need to buy x amount of properties to get to that as well and you can force yourself to buy a deal because of that too so yeah. i'm just kind of allowing things to kind of move naturally really that sounds like you're kind of obviously your business your mortgage business is your main focus and that's where you're really yeah. trying to drive the growth at the moment and it's great to have on the sideline you're just building up that portfolio as well and um, so to, going back to the business side of things, where do you see that going and like what's your kind of ambition for the, the, the mortgage business? Yeah, you're right. So that, that definitely is my main goal, you know, because I don't want property investment to kind of detract from that either, you know, because that could affect my main business as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, so originally I used to kind of work underneath somebody else um, as a mortgage broker, self-employed, set up this new business where we're directly authorized with the FCA now since um, April 2020. And we've grown since then as well. So actually COVID kind of, you know, worked well for us as a, as a business. Um, so, yeah, we can continue to kind of grow, taking on staff. Um, there's now five of us in the team um, looking to kind of just continue to kind of, um, yeah. So I've got a lot of good uh, staff that have got a lot of good mortgage experience as well. So for them to kind of, you know, um, grow to then become advisors as well and then take on more administration staff. So, yeah, as a team to kind of really grow is the and, main and, thing. And what's working for you in terms of like, how do you get your new clients and, you know, what would you say is the number one source of leads for you? Um, yeah, definitely social media, because that's kind of where I spend most of my time marketing. But um, I think sort of as a strategy, just kind of doing content marketing, I don't really kind of sell to my clients. I don't even really say use me. You know, I just, I'll say kind of use a broker, you know, or a buy to let specialist broker. If um, Just kind of trying to give as much information away as possible for free if I can as well. Um, and then if they want to use me, then fine. You know, a, a lot of people will eventually kind of, they, you know, we live in the information age where people want to know how things work. You know, they want to know how a buy to let works or what you know the criteria is out there but not everybody's wanting to kind of go away and do all that themselves and then hopefully then when they are ready they'll come to me and then see, that's evidence from your social media channels you can see that you really want to educate people and you want to give away the information and you know when a new you know a new lender uh, reduces the rates puts a new product on the market you're the first one to kind of post it so i, I get that information from you more than anything which is fine. And some people get information and go away to their own brokers. And I'm absolutely fine with that as well. You know, um, I'm not the only person out there. Um, there's lots of other good brokers too. But yeah, I try to kind of be, uh, try to give the information out as much and as readily as possible. Um, just, yeah, just keep everybody educated, really. And what about for people that are kind of running small businesses? Have you got any kind of daily rituals or tips or hacks that, that like help you get through the day or anything like that? <laughs> uh, yeah so i mean i'm, I'm no expert uh, by any means I'm always trying to learn myself i'm massively into personal development always kind of reading books and stuff 
Um, I think one of the key goals that I've kind of uh, learned recently was fitness as well. So I think, you know, uh, I was always into kind of like weight training and stuff like that. You know, I lost quite a lot of weight when I was growing up, um, but kind of put that to the side when I set my business up. But um, come back to that recently since COVID. And I think that's kind of a big thing that's kind of changed for me, you know, making fitness a goal. And when fitness becomes a good goal for you, and then that can really kind of transcend into your business as well. And that's kind of helped me business wise, I think, you know, it's kind of got um, feel fitter, more clarity, sleep better, all that sort of stuff. It all kind of coincides with each other, really. Yeah, I often see your social media posts or your Instagram posts where you're out. You do a lot of cycling or is it mountain biking you do or is it? Road yeah, biking. mixture. Yeah, biking, cycling. Yeah, sorry, mountain biking, uh, road cycling, hiking, stuff like that. Um, I do it for a couple of reasons. So sometimes I just make people realize that I'm normal as well. I don't always talk about mortgages all the time. And actually, a lot of people kind of like to talk about sort of fitness as well with me, you know. So uh, I get kind of quite, uh, you know, a lot of my kind of clients will speak to me about that too. Um, but yeah, definitely kind of fitness has been a big goal for me recently. Um, yeah. No, Are you like, like a selfie, mate? You like a selfie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just like you, Nick. <laughs> no, it's uh, just like me. There's no one done a selfie of this uh, call yet, guys. Oh, no, we need to do one, eh? We need to do Definitely. Um, anyway, Kirza, thanks very much for joining us. Um, it's, it's a pleasure, as always. You always give so much value, and you're always open, honest, and the kind of, uh, you know, open, honest, kind of open book guy, which I really like, and we like getting you on. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. You want to give a shout out for your social media and your business? Beat me to it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, oh. so... Um yeah, so uh, my business is Freedom Financial. Um, um, just just search me up anywhere online, you know, whichever suits you guys best. You know, I'm kind of most active on Facebook, but Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I've got my own website, which is um, kessaslimi.com. Um, but yeah, there's loads of different ways to kind of interact with me. I'm sure you'll find me somewhere. Right. Awesome, mate. Thanks very much. It's been good to get uh, us on your podcast as well. So yeah, thanks for putting out all that good content. No, likewise. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, as always, if you could give us a review, that would be much appreciated. Always building up our good reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. And if you could have a, head over onto our social media pages, Stephen. Yep, my page is Stephen Clark Property on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And what yours, Nick? I actually got my Instagram, like, was, like, wiped. I don't know. It was wiped. I couldn't get on it for a few days, so I started panicking uh, oh. because I was like, well, I've only got 5,000 followers, mate. Nothing like yourself, obviously, like the big yeah. social media guru that you are. Broke, that broke your heart, all that hard work, mate. <laughs> so I was panicking there. Yeah, but mine's uh, Nick underscore Ponte on Instagram, and you can tag the Scottish Property Podcast as well. And, yeah, guys, uh, check, check us out on Instagram and, and say share the stories and, and tag myself, Nick, and Kirsleen on this episode. And I'm sure we'll all reshare our stories. Thanks we'll for listening. Be back next week for another thrilling episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. <laughs>